All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today is another crossover Thursday where one of the co-hosts of the Locked on Bucks podcast, David Harrison, is going to be joining me to preview this week two matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong, however, on Twitter at Falcfans, and of course, the host of this illustrious Lockdown Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, and of course, you can check out my weekly column over at the Falcoholic if you're interested in the uh, written word, as well as the audio word, I guess is what we're saying on the podcast. But uh, today's episode is a crossover Thursday in which I am joined by another host of one of the various daily podcasts here on the Lockdown Falcons. I'm sorry, on the Lockdown Podcast Network uh, to preview the upcoming matchup between my team, the Atlanta Falcons and his team, that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And of course, that's David Harrison, one of the two hosts of the Lockdown Bucks podcast. You can hear David and James Yarko every day on the Lockdown Bucks podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. In today's episode, we're going through this matchup, talking about the various things that we learned for both teams uh, in that week one performance with the Bucks beating the Cowboys last week on the Thursday night kickoff game. And the Falcons, of course, losing to the Eagles uh, in their week one matchup on Sunday and sort of what we learned, how ways that, you know, the, the Falcons really, given that they are big underdogs in this game, what they can potentially do to try to sort of overcome uh, that disparity that is, I think, clearly there where clearly, you know, as we will touch upon several times in this podcast, Las Vegas has this spread set at 12 and a half points as of today, uh, which is, I think, if not the biggest spread the second biggest spread in the league and clearly at least as Vegas perceives it, this is, you know, one of the, probably the two best teams in the NFL facing at least based off of this spread, potentially one of the two worst teams in the NFL with the Falcons being at the bottom of that. And it's up to the Falcons to prove if they can do that. And, and David and I, of course, will talk about the reasons uh, or maybe the lack of reasons why we think that's possible for this team this upcoming week. But before we get into all of that, um, we're going to, I'm going to talk about the Falcons practice squad additions. But before we even get there, I do want to let you guys know about the locked on NFL draft podcast, which is relaunching next Monday on September. September 20th with two brand new hosts. No more Trevor Sikama, no more Ben Solak. They have moved on uh, to brighter futures at the ringer and pro football focus, but locked on podcast network still has you covered every day for the upcoming NFL draft, as well as the college football season with Eric Crocker, giving you the player scouting, Ryan Tracy, giving you the analytics that you need. So follow the locked on NFL draft podcast on YouTube, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcast. So before we get into the conversation with David Harrison of locked on bucks, I want to talk about the three practice squad additions that the Falcons made 
on Wednesday, you know, potentially addressing some of the concerns that they may have in the trenches, adding a nose tackle like Mike Pennell, uh, who I think is the standout of this trio of guys. They also sign offensive lineman Brian Witzman and Danny Isidore. But with Pennell, you know, we've seen the Falcons for several months now since the draft trying to beef up the interior of their defensive line. And Pennell has been a journeyman nose tackle these last couple of years, bouncing around with teams like the Bears this past summer, two years with the Chiefs, two years with the Jets, beginning his career with three years in Green Bay. And I think his best season was particularly that 2018 season with the Jets in Todd Bowles' final year there. He performed as like a 330-pound run stuffer, you know, not quite to the degree of Snacks Harrison, you know, who is to the degree of Snacks Harrison, but certainly a poor man Snacks Harrison in that particular year. And and, in the year since in Kansas City has been a solid run defender. Uh, And so certainly I think it's going to give the Falcons potentially more value, at least on the practice squad there than Chris Slayton would do. And we'll see if, you know, Pinnell might be elevated at some later date uh, to help out in the defensive line rotation moving forward. With Witzman and Isadora, you know, these guys are journeyman offensive linemen. They're former Vikings cast off, and it's a little dismissive to say it, but, you know, given the Vikings offensive line issues over the years, uh, you know, guys that weren't good enough to stick there are probably not guys that you want to necessarily be building around with one glaring exception that we'll get to. But, uh, you know, Witzman played with the Vikings in 2018, Isidore in 2017. The Falcons obviously have brought in several former Vikings, most notably Brandon Fusco and Willie Beavers from recent years. And those guys didn't quite work out for the Falcons, at least so far. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see with Willie Beavers. But, you know, the, the thing with Witzman is that, generally speaking, he's played for a lot of teams, but a lot of those teams seem to have the thing in common where they're teams with bad offensive lines that are desperate. Uh, and when he's gotten opportunities to start, whether that was in 2017 in Kansas city or 2018, filling in for an injured Kyle long, where he was first introduced to several members of this Falcons coaching staff that were in Chicago at the time, didn't particularly perform at a high level. And Isidore has, you know, been a journeyman, a journeyman's journeyman over the last year playing, you know, the Falcons are now the 14 that he's played for, uh, been on the practice squad or been in camp for over the last 12 months. So I don't really see these moves moving the needle in terms of the Falcons offensive line issues, but obviously they're at least trying and you, you got to give them at least some credit for bringing in alternative options. But I think really, if you're looking for a savior here alone, the Falcons offensive line and the only Vikings cast off that is worth a darn, that is of course, Colby Gossett who played for that Vikings. Vikings team in 2018 and the Falcons scooped up at the end of uh, the summer. So Kobe Gossett's the only guy that I'm interested in. And, you know, we'll see what happens with the rest of these guys uh, to make room for those three guys. The Falcons cut tight end Davis, David Wells, kicker Elliot Fry and wide receiver Jawan Green. Not, you know, guys that won't necessarily be sorely missed in that regard. So we'll see what happens with the Falcons. The Falcons are clearly signaling that they're trying to make a change at the guard position and adding potential alternative options beyond uh, Jalen Mayfield, Kobe Gossett, and Drew Dolman currently on the roster uh, over these next couple of weeks before Josh Andrews comes back potentially in week four. So we'll see what comes of the Falcons interior line play. Again, not sure that any of these additions are going to really solve the problem, but we'll see what happens as the season unfolds. And as today's episode unfolds, you know, We'll be talking with David Harrison, the host of the Lockdown Bucks podcast, about this uh, week two matchup between the Falcons and Bucks coming right up on 
today's episode, but you know, we see the Falcons are clearly shopping for the right parts for their offensive line. But when it comes to you shopping for the right parts for your car, there's no better place to go much better than Minnesota Vikings cast offs, the bargain bin in the state of Minnesota. You can go to a place like rockauto.com and I'll let my friend David tell you all about it. All right, guys, it's Thursday here at the Lost Out Podcast Network, which means it's crossover Thursday. Aaron Freeman and I are going to be talking about the Falcons-Tampa Bay Buccaneers Week 2 matchup, and we're going to be doing so thanks to friends like our friends over at rockauto.com who remind you that there's no reason to spend 30 50 or 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership when you can get it cheaper at rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers for the last 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The best part about rockauto.com, talking about those prices, they're the same whether you're a professional or a do-it-yourselfer, and that's why we love them so much and the support they give to this podcast network. Head over to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Kicking off crossover Thursday here at the Locked on Bucks and Locked on Falcons podcast. I am David Harrison, one of the hosts of the Locked on Bucks podcast on Twitter at dharrison82. You can also find me writing about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for bucksnation.com at bucks underscore nation on Twitter. Aaron Freeman, host of the Locked on Falcons podcast and writer occasionally for the Falcoholic, also a part of SB Nation Find him on Twitter at Falkfans. Aaron, always happy to talk to you, man. Usually I, I would like it to be under more competitive circumstance, but we're kind of talking a little bit off air before we start recording. This game, not expected to be all that competitive, but I mean, still, man, anytime I get to catch up with you is great. So outside of the Atlanta Falcons troubles, man, I hope everything's going good on your end of the line. Yeah, man, I'm I'm looking forward to this upcoming game. And you know, divisional games tend to be a lot closer than at least Las Vegas seems to think it is. Yeah. So, you know, I, I while I don't, you know, spoiler alert, I don't necessarily have high hopes for the Falcons to prevail in this game. I certainly think we have a, a potential for a, a much closer matchup than necessarily the spread indicates. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man, the spread is always a tricky part when you're talking about NFC South uh, competition. doesn't matter what, where the two teams are in the grand scheme of football. It's a division matchup. It's, it's usually going to be a tough matchup. Obviously, things didn't go the way the Atlanta Falcons wanted to uh, in their week one loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. But their first two drives of the game ended inside the Eagles 10 yard line. I've got kind of my own thoughts on why things went awry there. Uh, But bottom line is Matt Ryan couldn't navigate his offense past the 50 yard line for the rest of that game. What broke down in your eyes between those first two drives and then the final nine of the game? Yeah, I think with the Falcons, most of their issues offensively stemmed from the mismatch uh, that they had in the trenches between their offensive line and the Eagles defensive line. This was something I talked about on Locked on Falcons when I, I went through the film and you saw on those opening drives when, you know, between the 20s, the Falcons were able to utilize sort of their, you know, bigger personnel groupings, 12, 21 and, and 22 personnel, I think, to sort of get a advantage in terms of numbers of the Eagles 
playing with that cover two scheme with, you know, sort of a seven man box and sort of getting a hat on a hat. And that led to the Falcons being able to uh, move the ball down the field uh, in the run game. But then once they got into the red zone, you know, you, you get that sort of condensed field and you're not necessarily getting the numbers advantage and the Falcons offensive line needs to be able to make their blocks. They weren't able to do that. So they weren't able to run the ball into the end zone. And then, you know, there was some questionable decisions in, in in terms of the passing game. Maybe Matt Ryan could have, you know, made a throw here or there. There was certainly that, initial third down on their opening drive where everybody was sitting there scratching their head. Why isn't Kyle Pitts on the field? You just drafted this guy for number four overall. Uh, So red zone struggles aren't new to the Falcons. That's been an issue that they've been dealing with for the last couple of seasons. One of the things that we expected from head coach Arthur Smith with his hiring, given that the Tennessee Titans over the last two years that he was the play caller there were the best red zone efficient team in the NFL. We thought that would translate immediately here in Atlanta. It seems like that's going to continue to be a work in progress. And we'll see if the Falcons, you know, can do better uh, getting another crack at it this week against Tampa Bay. Absolutely. I mean, that first drive alone, man, I mean, Calvin Ridley falls down on what looks like it's going to be a touchdown pass. Uh, I mean, who knows? You know, we we know that the way momentum works when you put a touchdown uh, on the Philadelphia Eagles on that first drive, the way that they were moving down the field and that pressure alone on that Eagle squad that I mean, that could be enough, honestly, to turn the tide of this entire game. That's how fickle football can be. But if there's good news coming out of this game, uh, it's no turnovers for the Falcons in, in week one. Uh, the defense didn't have any takeaways either. There were some fumble opportunities. The ball didn't change hands at all, uh, but the defense also gave up 32 points. So a couple, uh, a couple of positive with, with a negative, unfortunately. Um, but when I look at it this way, there, there's, when we talk about complimentary football, basically there was none, right? The Falcons offense didn't have a single drive go longer than two minutes and 33 seconds from midway through the second quarter on. And they didn't have a first down from beyond the nine minute mark in the second quarter until they were in the fourth quarter. So how much of that 32 point production, how much of the 264 yards passing and three touchdowns again, no interceptions from Jalen hurts is really on the defense and how much of it is a byproduct of the lack of complimentary football in the offense that just couldn't stay on the field. Yeah, I think, um, some of it obviously is on the defense. There were certainly plays to be made, certainly stops that they could have gotten on some of those drives that the Eagles wound up scoring on. Um, and so certainly I, I won't necessarily praise the defense too highly, given that they gave up 32 points and it was 32 yeah. points relatively well earned. But I do think, as you sort of seem to be intimating, um, that the defense certainly got enough stops, particularly in the second half of the game, to get the offense back on the field. Mm-hmm. And I know two of those second-half scores for the Eagles came on short fields where the Falcons weren't necessarily winning the field position battle. There was a right. punt where they were sort of backed up uh, in their sort of you know first-year punter, Cam Nizelec, you know, really needed to boom a, a 50-yard punt, and he wound up punting the ball 31 yards. And that, I think that started the Eagles at the 50. And so essentially, you know, a couple of plays here or there, and they were in scoring position when they wound up ultimately scoring on that drive. And so I think with the, you know, defense's performance, you know, a lot of it was due to the fact that they weren't getting reliable pressure on Jalen Hurts. There were several times where they were able uh, to blitz him. Um, but, you know, Hurts used his mobility and his athleticism to escape those blitzes. And that really sort of hurt the Falcons defense in those uh, situations where they could have gotten stops uh, to sort of, you know, get the ball back into the hands of the offense. And they were not able to do that. 
And it, the Eagles relied heavily on their sort of quick, short passing game. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why Hertz was yeah. so efficient uh, in week one. And so I think the Falcons are going to have to sort of tighten things up there and, and be, be, be a little bit more aggressive against this Bucks team. Obviously, you know, Dean Pease is not going to be able to throw anything at Tom Brady that Tom Brady hasn't seen uh, over the last 20 years of playing in the NFL. But at this point in time, what do you have to lose is sort of my mindset. Uh, might as well throw the whole kitchen sink at him and maybe you can get Tom Brady, you know, tricked uh one or two times maybe that leads to a turnover or two and maybe that winds up being the difference between you know potentially winning and losing a football game yeah absolutely i mean the, the way that the eagles attack that falcons defense if the falcons don't make an adjustment i think antonio brown might set a fantasy record uh just in points from receptions uh, in this game just eating up that short area of the field absolutely right on that one so uh sticking with the offense a little bit calvin ridley kyle pitts we kind of already mentioned their names a little bit here already but they were the talk of the offseason outside of Atlanta anyway, from the Locked On Bucks perspective, because we were questioning whether or not Ridley was ready to truly be a number one wide receiver. Was Kyle Pitts worth uh, such a high draft pick investment, uh, especially with Hayden Hurst on the roster? After one week, right, obviously this project, this experiment, whatever you want to call it, is not a final grade, but after one week, what are you making of it so far? Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where obviously we can sit here and say maybe we should have had lowered our expectations given it was the first week we didn't really get to see much of the start or really any of the starting offense in the preseason and this is going to be a work in progress rather than sort of uh, a situation where you know everything was going to come together immediately for this team and so you know that's that's my bad that's on us in terms of uh, looking at that situation but I do think we can expect you know we should expect more from this group given the talent level we've seen Calvin Ridley have some very big games against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Russell Gage, who was held catchless, uh, their number two wide receiver in the absence of Julio Jones now, um, you know, was held catchless against Philadelphia. But, you know, you look at his seven best games where he's had 65 or more yards receiving, four of those have come against Tampa Bay. So he seems to thrive against Sean Murphy bunting uh, in particular. I know uh, he's dealing with some injuries, so that that matchup may not be uh, featured this Sunday. But this is an opportunity for, I think, this young receiver core uh, that the Falcons have given the talent that they have uh, to, you know, get go up against a secondary that they're familiar with a secondary that they've had success with. And then obviously with Kyle Pitts, we, we, we expected more. We, we, we continue to expect more from him. Um, and this, you know, we know that historically speaking, rookie tight ends don't necessarily hit the ground running in the NFL, but Kyle Pitts is a, a unicorn for a reason. And so we expect him to be the exception to that rule. And sort of if the Falcons can get him going early in this game, um, that certainly will be benefit and allow them to really sort of, uh, uh, spread the ball around, and, and that may make their offense uh, particularly potent against this Bucks defense. Yeah, I mean, they'll be playing up against a guy, Devin White, who knows all about being called a player who was overdrafted because of his position. Everybody criticized the Bucks when he drafted an off-ball linebacker, and it's turned out pretty well for them uh, over you know the, the first two years and into this third one. So Kyle Pitts, so it's time, obviously, but you know I know a lot of fans were hoping to see better in week one. Final question for you, Aaron. Uh, Bucks fans are pretty smart, you know, from from where I sit and, and all the social media interaction I have from them. They know the Atlanta Falcons pretty well, but are pretty well. But who is a Falcon they may not know, even just know as well uh, that can impact this game on Sunday. 
Well, you know, probably the, the player of the game on Sunday was uh, Cordero Patterson, which was a little bit of a surprise given that he was yeah. signed essentially to be a kick returner, but he's also in the mix as, you know, a backup running back behind Mike Davis. And we got to see Cordero Patterson run pretty efficiently uh, behind those Falcons offensive lines, particularly in those early drives, the second one in particular. And in addition to that, you know, his value as a kick returner, he only got one opportunity on Sunday, uh, took a deep kick out from nine yards deep and, and wasn't able to necessarily get it past the 20. But anybody who's watched Cordero Patterson over the last seven or eight years knows that he is a, a playmaking threat, a game breaker as far as the return skills go. So I think if there is going to be a potential X factor, not only with Patterson's ability out of the backfield, being able to split out wide uh, and use that wide receiver skill set that he came into the league with uh, before making the conversion to running back in the last couple of years. And then you couple that with the potential to, you know, really enhance the Falcons special teams and and field position battle uh, with maybe a, a big kick return. I think Cordero Patterson could be the X factor to keep an eye on in this Sunday matchup. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was surprised to see as much usage out of him in week one, uh, but I thought he made made some really good work with the touches he had. Uh, Aaron Freeman hosts a lot on Falcons podcast, writer occasionally, again, for the Falcoholic, part of SB Nation. Great stuff as always, brother. I'm David Harrison, host of the Locked On Bucks podcast, one of the hosts there, writer at Bucks Nation, also a part of SB Nation. After this break, guys, we're going to flip it around, and Eric is Eric. I don't know where Eric came from. Aaron is going to ask me about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team that he knows very well. You guys probably know very well, even Falcons fans, because a lot of returning players, right? So we'll be right back with the second part of this crossover Thursday episode. So before we flip sides of the ball, I want to let you guys know that Bet Online is back and it's better than ever. All eyes are now on the gridiron. Teams are back to start another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for pro and college football action this season with a new updated website and interface and even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline.ag continues to be that number one source for everything football. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today with the promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. You can take on Tonight's matchup between the Giants and Washington, where Washington is favored by three points, Atlanta and Tampa Bay, the matchup that we're talking about on today's crossover. You have the Bucks favored big in this game by 12 and a half points, but maybe those sneaky Atlanta Falcons can cover in this game and bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So we're continuing today's crossover Thursday between myself, Aaron Freeman, host of Locked on Falcons and David Harrison, one of the hosts of Locked on Bucks. And David, looking at this Bucks team, obviously the defending Super Bowl champions, you and I talked about this team back in January or I'm sorry, in July on the Locked on Falcons podcast to preview this team. And that conversation centered around, you know, what if, you know, anything can you nitpick with this Bucks team? I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. Week one action. I know a lot of people went into that game expecting the Bucks to win big against the Cowboys. Obviously, we know that the Las Vegas expects the Bucks to win big this week against the Atlanta Falcons. But I'm, I'm curious to get your perspective on that week one matchup. Did Dallas expose some things that you were that caused you a little bit of concern moving forward with this team, or is it sort of you know smooth sailing here? You know, this is the NFL. You know, games are going to be a lot closer than than people realize. Where is your sort of takeaway from that week one game? 
Yeah, I mean, so coming into the season, you know, the the conversation we had a lot is that the the secondary was kind of the most worrisome part of this unit and, and a strong team kind of all, you know, up and down the roster. But if there was a concern, there was a weak spot, it was a secondary, mainly just because of youth. And, you know, they've got some great experience. Winning Super Bowl, obviously, is, is great experience for any young player. Uh, but they were still very young players. And Jamel Dean specifically, we talked about a very aggressive cornerback, which is what makes him so exciting sometimes. It helped get him a uh, pick six against Aaron Rodgers in the regular season last year. And that was a great play for this Buccaneers defense, but it also has, uh, you know, the negative side, which he, he bites on double moves a lot. He, he kind of over overplays his hand a little bit when he thinks he has a read on what's going on in the offense. And it kind of gets him out of position from time to time. And we saw that against the Dallas Cowboys. And that's something that we know Todd Bowles and the, you know, the defensive coaches there in, in Tampa have talked to him about, he knows about it. He's been studying, preparing, and he's going to try to do his best. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we, we see it with a lot of players. You see it with Jameis Winston's of the world. You see it with the Brett Favre's of the world. You know what I mean? Players that are gamblers are gamblers uh, at heart, and, and they kind of play into that notion a little bit. So with Sean Murphy bunting out, uh, Jamel Dean is, is going to be a concern, and that's that's kind of where the, the look came from the Dallas Cowboys. Give them a lot of credit. You know, a lot of coaches come in and say, what is the strength of the team? How do we defeat that strength? The Dallas Cowboys said, look, the strength of that team is that pass rush. How do we avoid the pass rush? Let's not try to defeat it. Let's just avoid it all together, and they did it with a quick passing game, a, a lot of movement, a lot of crossing routes, a lot of misdirection, uh, and it worked. You know what I mean? So I don't know if I'm worried because I have a lot of confidence in this Buccaneers coaching staff to take a look. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, what they did is they gave the Buccaneers a lot of film to self-scout with and self-evaluate, and they had 10 days to do it. So I have confidence in this defense and the coaches to to make the necessary adjustments, and I don't think uh, the Atlanta Falcons, if they try to copy what the Cowboys did exactly, are going to have as much success but I am honestly still a little bit worried about Jamel Dean and that uh, that aggression. If if I'm the if I'm the Atlanta Falcons, I'm using some movement to try to see if I can get uh, Calvin Ridley matched up against Jamel Dean and try to do some fancy things with some footwork and some some manipulation of some stems to get Jamel Dean to bite on something early. Well, I think you know your your confidence, your optimism is benefited from seeing the Falcons offensive line struggle. You've seen mm -hmm. this Bucks front dominate this Falcon previous Falcons offensive lines uh, in, in previous years with Shaq Barrett seemingly always having a field day against Caleb McGarry. Uh, the interior of the Falcons offensive line really struggling against guys like Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox, uh, as well as even Hassan Ridgeway uh, last week against Philadelphia. And Oh, guess what? They get Indomitian Sue and Vita Bea this week. Uh, so <laughs> it, it doesn't get any easier for this Falcon yeah. offensive line. And so I think, you know, some of that confidence that you may have is, you know, the front can mask some of the issues that uh, the Bucks may be dealing with uh, in that secondary, um, you know, talking about trench play. Uh, and really focusing more on the offensive side of the ball. And one of the concerns in that conversation that you and I had back earlier this summer was you were looking to see if this Bucks ground attack could, you know, get off to a, a better, more success this season than they did a year ago. I, I know that they weren't necessarily as balanced uh, in that week one game against Dallas. It wasn't as if they were finding a lot of success on the ground. I know Ronald Jones was in the doghouse with another untimely fumble, um, yeah. but he's expected to get more action in this week two game. Do you see the Bucks? you know, trying to be more of that balanced team and, and running the football 
or do you see them going back to what has been tried and true for this team, particularly in recent matchups against the Falcons, where they can just sort of sling it all around the yard. And you see, we've seen big games from Mike Evans against this Falcons secondary Antonio Brown uh, as recently as last year. And of course, Chris Godwin in previous years. Um, what do you sort of expect this Bucks offensive game plan to be? Yeah, I don't I don't think that Bruce Arians and his coaching staff are interested in, you know, in trying to rev up the running game so much. I think they're just they're looking to win. You know what I mean? And that's in a lot of ways that's frustrating to Bucks fans and especially fantasy, you know, players who maybe drafted Ronald Jones. Um, but they don't care about your fantasy team, you yeah. know what I mean? And, and if they come out, I mean, you'll see some runs obviously early in the game. Ronald Jones is gonna be starting, you know, Bruce Arians talked about that and uh, yeah, there was there was some grumbling among Bucks fans when Ronald Jones got pulled after that fumble and then never came back in. And Bruce talked about it, said he wasn't in the right mindset. Now, you you always get a little bit concerned when you hear uh, a coach publicly talking about the mindset and the, the mental stability of a player and maybe their willingness to compete. And they really didn't get any, you know, huge, you know, uh, details about what that really meant. Maybe he was just mad at himself and they didn't want him going out there running mad or, you know, whatever it was. I don't think Rojo is necessarily sitting there saying, no, I'm not going back in type of thing. Um, or else he probably wouldn't be playing at all, you know. So the fact that they're starting him, you expect to see Ronald Jones come out and, and try to run and try to, you know, protect the ball a little bit better and try to be an effective part of the offense. But at the same time, I mean, you know, the, the Bucks aren't going to shoot themselves in the foot and, and punt the ball three drives in a row because they're trying to establish the run, quote-unquote. If, if it comes out and they're not having the success uh, that they want to have, they have no problem throwing the ball around the field and, and targeting, you know, their weapons. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, a lot of Bucks fans would love to see Mike Evans maybe have a good game in, in this matchup. So, you know, if, if the Bucks' running game gets going early, if they can be a part of the passing game and not tip drill some interceptions in Atlanta Falcons' hands, um, then Bruce Arians, Byron Love, and, and Tom Brady would love to get the running backs involved because the more the ball is in the hands of the running backs, the less it's in the hands of Tom Brady and the less chance there is of him getting injured. And that's always every game. That's I think that's priority number one is win and then keep Tom Brady healthy for the next game. Um, but if they have to throw it around the field, if they have to throw it 40 times, Tom Brady will, would love to go out there and put up 40 balls in the air because that's what he's there to do. That's what he loves doing. And, you know, so – I think they'll try early, but they're not going to overly commit to getting the running game going. Now, going back to last year and, mm-hmm. and talking about sort of the expectations going into this week, where, again, you have a Bucks team that's heavily favored against this Falcons team. Uh, I think, you know, the line for this week is, is basically two scores. Uh, a year ago, I believe the line was maybe a touchdown in that week 15 matchup uh, in Atlanta. But... You know, we saw that Falcon team sort of come out and, and punch this Bucks team in the mouth in that Week 15 matchup and getting off to a 17 nothing halftime lead. Obviously, the Bucks were able to sort of get their act together in the second half, and a lot of that was owed to a, a big third-quarter performance and some several big plays from Mike Evans going up against uh, Falcons' uh, rookie then-rookie corner, A.J. Terrell. But I'm curious, is there some concern, given that we've recently kind of seen a somewhat of a letdown um, with that Bucks team facing a, a Falcons team like that? Uh, could th- this Falcon team, is there some concern for you that, you know, the Falcons could come out similarly and the Bucks could come out a little bit flat, uh, be a little bit overconfident? Um, what, are, what are sort of your expectations, I guess, for the mental fortitude of, of this current Bucks team? Yeah, I think from an offensive standpoint, as as long as you have Tom Brady on the team, I don't think he's going to allow anybody to really get, you know, cocky and, and all that stuff. And I mean, he himself is he's having a little bit of fun on social media uh, since he's, he's joined the Buccaneers. And unfortunately, some of that's aimed at Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons yeah. lately. But, you know, 
even in that, like you even get the sense, it's not, you know, you've seen other quarterbacks come out and kind of be cocky publicly and you kind of get the impression that it's kind of a lazy cockiness, right? But even with Tom Brady's cockiness, you, you, you can still see that determination. And when he gets on the field, you still see the look on his face and it's all business as soon as, you know, the pads go on and that's what he's going to make sure his offense is doing. And that's, we've heard, you know, player after player after player on that offense, especially talk about the presence that Tom Brady has and how every, it blocks everybody in. I mean, if you, if you can wrangle in Antonio Brown and make him all business, I mean, that's, that's quite a talent you've got there. And then, uh, and, and you have enough, honestly, coming out of week one. I mean, the entire team, the entire team wants to show that, you know, to the, to the doubters out there that, you know, what, they perceive as as a weakness or as a setback or a Super Bowl hangover, whatever you want to call it, from week one was not in fact that. But then you also have Chris Godwin, who who you know fumbled the ball at the two yard line, had a redemption moment there late in the game on the on the game winning drive where he got the ball into field goal range for Ryan Sucka. But he wants to come out there and he wants to get over kind of the hands issues. He wants to kind of get over the turnover issues, and you know that he wants to next time he wants to convert that into a touchdown. Antonio Browning is still out there trying to prove the entire world wrong when they, everybody said, you know, and AB is done. He's probably never going to be successful in the NFL again. And then he's still out there trying to prove everybody wrong. And Mike Evans, he knows, you know, he, he wants, he, he says he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. So he knows the expectation of that is production. And even when other guys on the team are eating, he's happy, but he also wants to eat as well. And then, you know, Rob Gronkowski is always out there looking to have fun and end up in the end zone. So he can, he can do one of his patented celebrations, whether it's a spike or a robot. So offensively, I mean, there's just so many different assets on this roster to make sure that they're not going to get lax. And then on the defense, I mean, Carlton Davis couldn't stop tweeting last year about how, how underrated the secondary was. They just got gashed by Dallas Cowboys offense. And so some of those conversations are starting to come up and a little bit of, of, of sarcasm. Cause I mean, they kind of adopted a nickname, the grave diggers. And it was like, okay, well the grave diggers, you know, you didn't, you didn't dig a whole lot of graves against the Dallas Cowboys. So what's up with that? So they're going to be looking to come out and redeem themselves with Jamel Dean. Last time we saw Jamel Dean really get picked on this badly, as far as I remember, was the Seattle Seahawks two seasons ago. Actually, he came out a lot better, a lot more locked in, and a lot more of the talent showed up. A lot, a lot less of the deficiencies showed up. So I'm kind of expecting Jamel Dean to come out here looking to to put on film that he is better than what they found in, in against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, it, sitting here from from my perspective, as, as we saw in those two matchups a year ago, it just seemed like even though the Falcons could give the Bucks a, a pretty good punch talking about that first half in that week 15 game coming back uh, against the Bucks in that week 17 game. Um, certainly they are capable of, of, you know, going blow for blow with this Bucks team for a, a chunk of a game. It just seems like the talent disparity has, you know, proven out that to be that, you know, this Falcons team just doesn't have enough to overcome this Bucks team. So I think for the Falcons looking here, you, you kind of need this Falcon team to play a, certainly above the level of play that they performed in week one uh, and, and play some really good football uh, in game two under Arthur Smith. And I think you need the Bucks to, um, you know, shoot themselves in the foot a couple of times. We, we You've talked, touched upon some of the turnovers that they've been dealing with. Uh, with, you know, fumbles and interceptions and whatnot. So I think that's really where the Falcons are going to have to try to attack them. I think that leads to a much more aggressive game plan for the Falcons. You know, it didn't quite work out for Wink Martindale in that Monday night game. Uh, the Ravens.
Evans in, against the Raiders, but you know I, I do want to see some aggressive blitzes from Dean Pease to try and see if they can get the Bucks to make some mistakes there. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, are you concerned about the turnovers? You have a three interception game from Tom Brady in that NFC Championship game. He had two picks in that Week One game. You know I don't think you can really blame him for uh, those right. interceptions in regard, but you do have some fumble issues. Uh, is there some concern that you know turnovers could wind up undermining maybe what the expectation is for this Bucks team heading into week two. I mean, you know, three of those four turnovers were really bad turnovers and should not, should have never happened. Uh, you know, the, the other one, the Hail Mary at the end of the half, it's whatever, you know, um, if Jordan Lewis returns it for a touchdown, then it's not so much whatever, but as soon as long as he gets tackled in the field of play, you're fine. Um, and, you know, you're never going to really, you know, blame a guy for doing that. So, yeah, I mean, it's got to be a concern, you know, because you, you need to see those things get cleaned. Those, that's how you kill yourself. That's how, you know, Bucks beat Bucks and, and Bucks fans and the Buccaneers themselves have been familiar with that phrase uh, over the years. And, and it wasn't just Jameis Winston. Like, I know he threw a lot of interceptions, but they also weren't all on him either. There were plenty of other players involved uh, in some of those turnover problems. So you don't want to see those things continue to creep up. And, you know, week one, you get you can make all the excuses you want about, you know, first time playing that much you know, in the action, the prime time atmosphere and all that stuff. But whatever the reasons or excuses that are being made for why it happened, it's got to get cleaned up uh, because in my eyes, that game really kind of just showed, yes, how talented the Buccaneers offense is to still be able to put up 30 points, even though they had four turnovers. But it also shows how bad the Dallas Cowboys defense is. Um, the Atlanta Falcons, as far as I'm concerned, they don't have a defense as poor as the Dallas Cowboys do. And Matt Ryan is still, you know, one of the, one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, and they do have some weapons over there. And and like you said, I don't expect the Atlanta Falcons to come out and only have two drives that cross the fifty uh, for two weeks straight. I just I just don't think that's going to happen uh, with this team. So that being said, if you turn the ball over four times, you might find yourself at the end of this game getting ready to lose this game, just like you did with the Dallas Cowboys. But you might find yourself down two scores instead of you know less than a field goal and, and stuff like that. So you cannot continue to give NFL teams because. You know, this league is, is designed for everybody to go 500. We've talked about that. Um, you, you can't continue to give people those opportunities. So, yeah, if, if they start turning the ball over early in this game, it could definitely spell a disaster for the Buccaneers in week two. And after the week one close game against the Dallas Cowboys, a lot of people are going to start to remember a lot of those old Buccaneers feelings very quickly if that if that happens. Well, from your lips to, to God's ears, David, in terms of Dan Quinn Brick taking all the bad Falcons defensive mojo with him out of Atlanta to Dallas, yeah. I think Falcon fans, you know, on that note, we'll sort of leave it on that positive note where, you know, what someone praising the Falcons defense uh, on a podcast, that's <laughs> incredible. Uh, so we'll, we'll leave it there. David, certainly enjoy uh, talking with you and seeing what this matchup is going to be. Obviously, we'll get another opportunity uh, later this season. Um, to see what you know these these two teams have for one another, but looking forward to Sunday's action. Um, you know, maybe not be able to get a prediction from you, but uh, in terms of that twelve and a half point spread, are you feeling great about the Bucks' ability to cover that, or do you feel like you know, given it's a divisional matchup, um, you know, the Falcons should, you know, emphasis on should be able to keep it a little bit closer than that. Yeah, I think we're gonna, we're going to see a very motivated Falcons team. I think we're going to see uh, you know coaching staff that's come in and kind of tweaked a lot of things and 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 learned some things about their roster and their game plan and their execution. I think we're going to see that from both sides to to a certain extent. I do think that we see the Buccaneers score thirty points or more in a game for the ninth straight game going back to last season through the postseason. 
and all that. But I think we see a, a much better Falcons team, and I think we see a, a more competitive game than that spread would give you. So if you're betting with the spread, I would def I would probably take the Falcons. I don't think uh, we're looking at 12 and a half points. I think we are looking at 10 points. Uh, but again, so money line bet, take the Bucks against the spread. You know, I'm 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 I would probably go with the Falcons on that one. Yeah, I'm of the same mind. Um, but then again, I had the Falcons covering last week. So what do I know, uh, <laughs> in that regard? So David, again, I appreciate you joining me and talking about, uh, this week two matchup and looking forward to seeing what we see on Sunday. We're going to learn some things about this Falcon team. I feel like the bucks at this point in time are proven, but it's just really about whether they can maintain, uh, th- that high degree of play that we've seen this team play, as you mentioned over these last, you know, nine or so games where this offense has been firing on all the cylinders. And of course that defense has been firing on all cylinders. But we'll see if the Falcons can give them a challenge to at least throw a couple of wrinkles their way uh, and, and challenge that sort of uh, superiority that uh, a lot of Bucks fans and, and people around the, the, the world seem to look at this team with. Yeah, absolutely, Aaron. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And, and look, crossover two of the season done, crossover one between you and I finished. And, of course, Falcons fans, uh, Aaron is going to be back after the game for, for another episode this week recapping what happens in this Week two matchup, so make sure you come back and catch that. Bucks fans, James and I have another episode this week. Also, Aaron has another episode this week. And we will also be back after this game to recap everything with you. You know how to get a hold of us. If you think we're wrong about the outcome of this game, if you think the Falcons or the Bucks will cover the spread or have more uh, than the spread, by all means, put that money where your mouth is. If you so choose, please gamble responsibly, of course. Or if you think we're completely wrong and the Falcons are going to come away with this win, by all means, go ahead and do that. But if you want some more information on whether or not you should put your money on either of these teams, you can probably find that over at our friends at the Locked on Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get your daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast. That podcast, just like the Locked on Bucks, just like the Locked on Falcons podcast, free and available on all platforms. Guys, we'll be back with you on Friday for one more episode this week from the Locked On Falcons podcast, Locked On Bucks podcast, David Harrison and Aaron Freeman. Thank you for joining us here at Crossover Thursday on the Locked On Podcast Network. So, guys, there you have it. Uh, today's Crossover Thursday. Thank you to David Harrison of Locked On Bucks. And tomorrow's episode, I think probably we'll sort of see if there's any leftover mailbag questions that we did not get to on Wednesday. Uh, if you have some, you can, of course, submit them on Twitter or Facebook at Locked On Falcons, or you can send an email to LockedOnFalcons at mail.com. Um, we'll probably talk a little bit about, you know, the future of Matt Ryan, uh, something that I've tweeted about and sort of, you know, want to devote at least 10 minutes of a podcast to fleshing out a little bit further uh, those thoughts, you know, that go beyond, you know, 280 characters or whatever the case may be. And we'll see sort of what else we should talk about. Obviously, the Falcons aren't dealing with any major injuries so far this week. Hopefully, knock on wood. But, um, you, will, you know, uh, so we'll, we'll see what else other news comes up tomorrow that, you know, tickles my fancy, as they say, uh, to wrap up the week. But uh, appreciate you guys tuning in uh, and listening to another episode of Lockdown Falcons. Until then.